Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. So I'll be the nerd. We'll be the and, players. You'll be the nerd. And, and, and I know that one of the big storylines is lack of a leadoff hitter. I don't buy it for a second. There's just no evidence that where you put your guys factors in very much in terms of scoring runs. It just it just doesn't. I beg to differ. I, but you don't have data on your side. I'll tell no, you that. No. But it's a little harder than people think. Even though you got a good arm as an outfielder. The one-two. Not that easy to just hit 90. Will Myers just hit one into the pool, and I almost called it. I was watching the <laughs> I was game. like, what is he? I was just, Justin I, I, and I were looking at yeah, each other. Like, I, was, what did, I looked at the field. Like, yeah, there was no pitch. Happened. I was Will Myers just hit one. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is Hit and Run, The Score's baseball show on Sunday mornings. As we've learned, Major League Baseball, a really good item. I'm a big fan, but it is non-essential to baseball conversation. The things you learn during a global pandemic. We welcome in on the Alpamani Ford hotline, one of the voices you heard right there. He is John Boog Shambi, the lead play-by-play man for Sunday Night Baseball on the radio and Wednesday Night Baseball on the TV, which I was so looking forward to this year. I imagine you were as well, John Shambi. Thank you for your time and welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Matt, what's the word, brother? Uh, that's I love that you found the clip of me calling the. Uh, I don't know whether whether you set that up at all, but there it was a game. You did not, um, so please do. Yeah, please so do. I was calling a Sunday night game. It's 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 great. It, I'm calling a Sunday night game. It's a Dodgers at the Angels, and Mike Farron texts me that Jeff Mathis is pitching in the Diamondbacks game in the fifteenth, and I look, and the score is tied. So I'm immediately, because I'm a nerd, I'm like, like, why is Jeff Mathis pitching? It's not a blowout. So I put it on my phone, and there's nothing going on in the game that I'm doing, and I start to get locked in on this game, and Singy and I are having a conversation, but I'm probably paying a little more attention to the game on my phone. And then, like, you know, Pavlovian, I call a pitch, from the game on my phone and not the game on the field and singing and Justin Ware are like, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. So that's, anyway. that's why you say I almost called it. You almost, there's a drive to right. Yeah. You almost called it. And they're just like a UFO is landing on the field, you know? So anyway, well, you know, it, it, you it's instructive because, you know, it, it, it's amazing what we can learn to do in terms of multitasking and the comfort level that that comes, even when you 
or like other play-by-play guys that I've talked to, mutual friends or whatever, like I've gotten texts back from guys during a game. And the first time that happened, I was like, oh my God, how dare they lose focus on a ball game. But, but, you know, like any of us, you adapt and your brain has, your brain gets bored and you want more stuff to fill it. Don't you? Even during a game. Yeah. It's funny. So uh, Dwayne Piper confessed to me a few years ago where this is where it gets challenging is you're just sitting there and you'll be watching another game and the pitches start to get in sync. So he was watching, he, he's doing a giant game, Giants Mets, and the Giants are getting boat raced and he's watching Adam Conley uh, had a chance at a no hitter. And he starts getting locked in on that. And he told me that at one point in his game, he had a call where it was, got him, strike two. Because, <laughs> so, you know, he, he's calling, he calls a punch out on the Connolly had, but in his game, uh, it was only the second strike. Oh, uh, man, it's a, it's, it's, that's a scary place to put yourself uh, on the precipice yeah. of, of completely losing control, but maybe maybe need the challenge a little bit. For, for those who don't know, uh, Wednesday Night Baseball was, and hopefully is at some point, going to be you and Chipper Jones on a regular yeah. basis. And, and that, is, I mean, that is going to be gold. And I know we've seen it and heard it a little bit, but... What is? How would you describe your relationship with Chipper? I mean, these days you're doing some right. Instagram live stuff with him, which is yep. really fun at IG Live. You can find Boog there. But you were you were a broadcaster for three years for the Braves and talking to him before the game every day, if desired. Yeah, so he's got multiple qualities. I think the place you start with is he's really smart about the sport. I mean, he has, you know, He's a savant. He he knows stuff, and his answers are always good and thoughtful. I love being able to take data, and I wouldn't do it every day, but I would present him with stuff, and he would digest it and always spit back a really interesting answer from, you know, an elite player's perspective. I mean, that was the whole thing when he looked up at the booth I would do stuff like this all the time where I would present data to him. And in this instance, we got kind of caught up in the conversation. And then, you know, it, it, it ended up, you know, playing out the way it did. But he also is a really good storyteller. And he's naturally interested. The other thing is most athletes think they remember. And he really does. That's, that's the difference. Most guys think they remember stuff. But you go mm-hmm. check it, and they're wrong a lot of times. If Chipper says it, he's right more often than the average player is. So you just have all those things. And then, look, you know, we were together. We liked each other. Uh, we like to laugh. And he's, yeah, he, he doesn't take himself way too seriously. And so... He's got that combo of you can hear that he's doing it with a smile on his face. He's un, unafraid, which is the other thing. You know, like he, he would say stuff and answer questions directly, and I would make sure, hey, can I use that? And he'd always say yes. And I think that there's an element of that in terms of the truth uh, that really helps, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. For, for those who don't know the story, it, it's been told a, a, a lot out there, and entertainingly so, that before a game you told Chipper about first pitch, um, that, that he wasn't getting a lot of first pitch strikes, I believe right. it was. And, yep. and, and he decided to go to the plate and take a pitch, and he took a pitch for a strike, and the video clearly shows him stepping out, looking up at the booth <laughs> angrily. And, and you guys talking about that is, is gold. But the dynamic yeah. that, you're, that you're talking about, how like you like to bring data and have yeah. a player or a coach then kind of listen to it. That's been my favorite thing about being a part of Chicago baseball, especially since Theo took over on the north yep. side. And then since Rick Hahn and the White Sox shifted gears on the south side is when, when old salts who have been resistant to data and analytics suddenly realize, oh, this is just stuff I've been talking about forever that you have right. better terms for and have right. organized better, right? I mean, that is, I, I've called it quantifiable scouting because sometimes right. that's all it is. Certain certain ones of them, that's all it is. That is, that is a beautiful thing. I wonder if you've had any, any other kind of moments like that where whoever it's been, a partner or a chipper or anybody where you're like, you realize that this is just this, don't you? And a light bulb goes on for yeah. people because I think that's so instructive. Yeah, I think, and there are some of these guys that just have intuitive understandings. Um, you know, Aaron Boone is a guy that, you know, it's not like he ever really went to school on Bill James, but he just had this intuitive understanding of the value of not making outs and and just got it and, and understood it. And I would say similarly, you know, Chipper – understood not making outs and slugging was, you know, was what he was, he was trying to do. So I do think that, you know, what you're talking about is, is spot on that there's, there's, you know, some common ground here that's, uh, you know, that's available. And I, I also would say this, I think that, you know, with Chipper, he just, I think he's open to, to learning and um, and to having his mind changed. And he also, he's not stuck, you know? Like, for example, we had a conversation recently where we were talking about the lack of fastballs in the game. And he said to me, yeah, not only do they throw fewer fastballs now, but they throw them harder than ever before. And I don't think that everybody that played when he played realizes it. You know, everybody kind of gets into this default back in my day. You know, these guys today, they're just swinging yeah. from their butts and they don't know what they're trying to do. Whereas, no, these guys are trying to strike you out from pitch one. You know, there's not, there's not three acts to the play like there was – 25 years ago against the starter there's two acts usually and mm -hmm. nobody is saving the surprise thing for the third or fourth act of the play it, if you can't hit the slider you're getting it right now and he knows that and i don't think that everybody uh that that played then that that is you know watching now completely understands that no, I think it's true. And, and starters just kind of empty the tank now. And it was one of the things that David Ross right. kept bringing up when talking about Chris Bryant hitting leadoff for the Cubs was he wants Chris to get that third at bat against the starter as many times as possible. Right. Like that's that, yep. that's the time that, that he's thinking about. Um, one one example of what uh, what we're talking about here, Boog, is Don Cooper, 
who is, you know, Coop the Grouch, who wakes up in a garbage can and pops his head out. And goes, oh, it's good to see you guys. I, I, I love Coop. He's, he's adorable, right. but, but grumpy. He realized at one point in the spring that spin axis was apparently, in the way that it had been in, told to him this year, finally, was just another version for him saying, get on top of the baseball, which he's been trying right. to teach people for 50 years. Right. And, and Cooper has lit up in the spring and the offseason has lit up finally realizing that, oh, my God, this stuff that we got now, all this stuff is just it, all it is is making it easier right. for him to talk to Lucas Giolito or Dylan Cease, who yeah. only want to be talked to in that way. It's um, right. so maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope for uh, for all sides of this to come together still is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I think. It depends, you know, not, not everybody's in, but it's so darn interesting. I mean, the one thing about the sport, you know, for me right now is just, I, whereas the way it, it plays out on the field doesn't always come out that way. I still would maintain there's just so much interesting stuff in terms of pitch to pitch game to game um, adjustments that are happening fast and furious in the way the game is changing and the use of information is incredible. And it's it certainly, I know it keeps you engaged that way, but it really keeps me engaged. There's just so much interesting stuff in the sport to talk about. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older, uh, John Shambi, but I feel like when a guy like you now has this job and then I listen to you talking i listened to the saber podcast that you and rob nyer did together the other day and um and and i had never heard your story of of who you met that once you got a couple beers into you you had to tell him how special it was to meet him um and, and but but i have this feeling of like you being one of us, or maybe I'm just one of you because we're all getting older or something, but like, but tell people about that happiest moment for you as a baseball child and then getting an opportunity to meet that guy later on. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a Phillies fan as a kid and I, you know, and my, my dad's side of the family got their hooks in me early. So, you know, those Phillies teams that, lost to the Reds in 76, lost to the Dodgers in 77, lost to the Dodgers in 78. They had a really good team. And at least in the 77-78 team, and then 79-2, people thought that the Phillies were going to win it all. And everybody every year was projecting Phillies-Yankees, and it would never materialize. And then finally in 80, it did. I was 10 years old, and the Phillies finally won. Mike Schmidt was my favorite player. Tug McGraw strikes out Willie Wilson to end the World Series, and I'm jumping up and down on my mom's bed in my pajamas. I mean, it's still one of the probably one of the happiest moments of my life. I mean, certainly in my sporting life, and you know, right up there. So I was a Marlins broadcaster beginning in '97. They made a trade for Darren Dalton, and in '98 I went to the All Star Game in Denver with friends. And we were at a bar afterwards, and I saw Darren in there. Then he waved me over, and I said hello, and he was with Tug McGraw. And so I got to meet Tug McGraw and then went and had some drinks with my buddies. Then they got a couple more drinks in me and came back to Tug McGraw and told him the jumping up and down on my mom's bed 
story in my pajamas, and he just stone-faced me and said, thanks for making me feel so bleeping old. <laughs> but See, it was still really though. cool. Of yeah. course it is. That's the best. That's the best. Um, you know, we, we all have that, that one kind of moment. I, um, I got a chance to interview Jim Rice, and that was my guy. I had a T-shirt that said, pitchers pay the price when they face Jim Rice, and I wore the hell out of that <laughs> thing, right? Right. Um, awesome. And I get a chance to, to interview Jim Rice um, on Sporting News Radio. For a brief time, he did post-game, pre and post on Nesson in Boston. And so I interviewed him, and I said, Jim, I don't know if you remember, but in 1978, um, when you were just the best hitter in baseball, uh, there was an episode of Monday Night Baseball, the old Monday Night Baseball on ABC, and you were playing in Kansas City, and the Royals went to a four-man outfield against you in Kansas City because you were on fire, and you doubled off the wall. You remember that, Jim? Because that was, you know, and this is my Chris Farley moment, right, right. Luke? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you, you're right. you remember that? You remember that? Because that, that was awesome. That was awesome. And he said... Right? It, yeah, it, and he and he says, uh, "Are you going to talk about the home run I hit in the fifth in that game or not?" <laughs> says, oh, says awesome. Jim Rice. Throw <laughs> <laughs> it right thing, back right? at me. Yeah, and then yep. we, I had one the other day when we did the Instagram live with Chip for the first time. We we did the September 11th game uh, on ESPN that night, so we were watching the game and talking on Instagram live. But at one point. In the eighth, he's like, I think I singled a center here. And I'm like, well, why, why do you think you singled the center? And he's like, I, I could be wrong. And he, and I was like, no, I'm looking at the play-by-play. I mean, like, it's not he couldn't have cheated. If I spotted a baseball reference, he couldn't get on baseballreference.com. Like, he, you know, so he uh, – but I, I was yeah, – I'm looking at the play-by-play, and he singled the center, and it was, it was irrelevant. Like, it was not it, – it didn't – Wow. scored anyone he didn't score he's just like i'm about to single to center here and i was like what oh my god so yeah it's amazing yeah, yeah. some 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 of those guys just can can place themselves right yeah. right back in there um uh john shambi's mother had a big red afro that's and you right said you and what former cub did you say she reminded you of i i Jose Cardinal. I told the story to Eddie Vedder uh, when I met him too, uh, because that was his favorite. That was his favorite player. And my mom and I were literally just having the conversation the other day. She's like, I was going through some old pictures. I was trying to find pictures of me with the Jose Cardinal afro. I mean, literally, this was a day or two ago we were having this conversation. Oh, that's so. Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. that's Vedder's guy. That's absolutely Vedder's guy. You know, yeah. um, when when he played the Hot Stove Cool Music in Chicago. And I think it was 2015, he flew Jose Cardinal in. He asked, that was one of his stipulations. Could you fly Jose Cardinal in to hang out in the green room with us? So good. That is so good. I love that. Just, I love that. Yeah, he's got a great story about, I think he he went to, uh, to meet Jose Cardinal and he got directions to go have lunch with him. I think the, you know, one of the first times he ever got to hang out with him and to meet him at like a diner and he mapped out the directions and he told the story to me that I think he showed up like an hour and 10 minutes early because he's like, I can't be late for meeting lunch, having lunch with Jose Cardinal. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's tremendous. Um, hey, Boog, we, we are, we are uh, blessed with being able to watch Javi Baez every day uh, yeah. when, when there is baseball. 
And that dude's instincts, and there was a video the other day that crossed of him catching his brother-in-law, Jose Barrios, in Puerto Rico. Um, and it's just, Javi looks so comfortable. He looks like Tony Pena or Benito Santiago or one of those athletic, you know, ridiculous catchers um, just in the 10 seconds of video. But who else around the game is like that? If there is anybody whose instincts are so good, whose smoothness is just of a different level, who seems like they were born to to be there in a way that is noticeable even amongst their peers? Um, I mean, I, I've gotten to see Lindor play a lot, and he's yeah. he's special. I, I will say that, I mean, as good as Jackie Bradley is uh, in center, Mookie Betts, uh, the years that watching him play – in Fenway and that humongous space. Um, yeah. He's, he's got a special gift to him. And then, Hey, look for Cubs fans, they may not want to hear this, but at the plate right now, we can talk all we want about Mike Trout and Mike Trout's the best player in the game. But if the question is who's the best hitter in the game, I think that there is not one answer. There are two possible answers. And in my opinion, right this moment, only two. Who's the best hitter in the game? Christian Yelich is the other guy. It's pretty amazing what Christian Yelich has turned into. I mean, you right now at the plate, I, like Mike Trout, I think, is the only guy you could make the argument is a better hitter than – uh, Christian Yelich, um, but I, I Yelich is is special, man, special. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he 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 really he really is, isn't he? It's a matter of it's a matter of of of, of the bat control um, and and being able like when you watch Yelich, one thing I love about watching Rizzo is he's got he's got this b hack, right? So like he'll he'll, yeah. he'll swing. He'll swing hard and try to drive it over the shift and out of the park for the first two strikes. And then with two strikes, he's able to change. And I feel like everybody wants hitters to do that now. And most guys can't yeah. do that. Can't do that. Can't have two swings. Does Yelich does have two approaches in him like that? Or is he just so quick that he can have his same approach the whole way through? I don't. Th- I mean, I think, I mean, look, Riz, it stands out at you because of the way he chokes up on the bat. And it just, it looks different. It jumps out at you that it's, that it's different. I just, to me, it, the thing that jumps out is the percentage of times that, that Yelich is barreling the ball and, and, and hitting it hard. And the slug is just so jarring that it seems as though he puts his A swing on it more frequently than just about anyone. Um, yeah. and, and at least in terms of, you know, from a slugging percentage standpoint, the last, you know, two, three years, that the answer would be, yeah. Um, he just, he's, he's pretty incredible. He's pretty incredible. And, uh, and of course, right now, um, my tech screen is filled with people saying, okay, but what about when he looks to the bullpen catcher? Who, or, or, what, or what about when he's looking out uh, to the bullpen for indications there in Milwaukee, right. as people sure. as people assume that yeah. that's that, that that's the new that's the new PED doubt is who was doing this that's and right. who wasn't. Yeah. Right, but the other yeah. thing is that it that's not new, by the way. Like what I mean, you think you know that it's not like this. 
and I'm not saying that it's taking place, but I mean, this is, this is not new stuff in terms of whether it's a light on a scoreboard. I mean, there's a pretty good yeah. story about a light being flashed on a scoreboard on the South side that a lot of people have heard um, in the past. And I, you know, you're talking about, I mean, Peck, one of the most famous home runs of all time, Bobby Thompson's home run, you know, it's alleged that he knew what was coming. So on and on it goes. Well, I don't, I don't know the South side one. Um, I, I knew, I knew Bob. Oh, well, Jack McDowell, the one that Jack McDowell has been bringing up. Correct. Yes. I got you. Got you. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I think it, 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 it's going to end up proving to be far more pervasive than, than, than any of us uh, would perhaps like. Um, what, uh, what, what, what can we tell people about, about the work that you've always done, Boog, with the, the amyotrophic lateral sclerosis community and how passionate you have been? I know that that is uh, something that is very near and dear to your heart because um, I know you had a friend who, who, who suffered from it. Um, yep. And I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, if people can find information on your Twitter page, on your IG, about, about helping a cause that's near and dear to you. Yeah, I I appreciate it. I mean, obviously, in uh, you know, in uh, in these times, the you know the people that are they're vulnerable, including uh, people with ALS. I lost one of my good friends, Tim Sheehy, a guy I grew up with. I'd known since I was seven years old. Lost him in 2007 to ALS. We started a uh, 501c3, a charity, um, with him and in his honor that continued after he passed to help. Uh, people that have been affected by ALS and it's not for research and not that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm active in the ALS community and trying to help as many people, you know, as you know, I can, we have made strides to help people financially. So if you're being overwhelmed by the cost associated with ALS, that's, that's what we do. So we've had actually to postpone our event, um, that was coming up at the end of May, and I'm not sure what you know we're going to end up doing. But obviously, you know, uh, people are still going to need money in in battling ALS, so that's something that that I'm going to try and sort out. We might do an online auction. I'm not really sure, but you know, again, these I understand these are tough times economically for a lot of people, and uh, so you know we're challenged as well because we still want to, want to be able to help people. So projectmainstreet.org is the name and it's Main Street ST, but that's uh that's where you can help if if you want and it's on my Instagram page and my uh my Twitter page at Shambi. There we go. John, thank you for the time, man. Happy birthday yesterday, by the way. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it was uh everyone was locked inside. My phone was blowing up. It was crazy. <laughs> We have we have nothing to do but to reach out. And I was right. That's what it was. I was like, holy cows! Like I, a lot of people wishing me happy birthday. It was it was uh-huh. nuts. So yeah, it was a good day. It was a, it was a good day. You know, New York. It's it's tough right now, but it was a it was a good birthday. No question. Yeah. No. I know. I know it's tough in New York. My sister there um, is a nurse and 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 oh, wow. working on the on the front lines and the in the hospitals there. But she, you know, I was going to tell this story to listeners, but I'll tell you as well, since you're you're there in New York, she, you know, it's incredibly stressful and emotional and there's, you know, refrigerated 
morgues and these tractor yeah. trailers outside the hospitals and so awkward and horrifying to be near. But every time she told me that every time a patient comes off a ventilator or gets released, they play Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles over the loudspeaker, right? Across the whole hospital. Wow. And she, and she said last week they heard it a few times yesterday a ton of times and then today it was every 20 minutes or so they'd hear here comes the sun i just got so, I, got I just got goosebumps you telling me that that's awesome right so it's like there's the uh there, there's there's the bit of positivity even amidst where you are it's like yeah they're they're, they're figuring it out slowly but they're figuring yeah. it out so all right great buddy. to talk to you brother well, you too boog get through it because stay safe stay sane okay thanks man you got it. That's John Shambi, um, ESPN's baseball play-by-play man. We'll talk to Chris Kampka before we get out of here. Top of the hour, it's Bears Sundays. Looking forward very much to hearing that as the Bears will be facing the Seahawks from January 14, 2007. That's coming up at noon with Jeff Joniak doing some pregame. Sun's coming, everybody. Talk to Chris Kampka soon on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast can you guys each look at your hats because you're not wearing the same hats we wear what we want (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm the only one on the team that does it I just look ridiculous in this spring training hat. But you guys called me out on on national TV, so wow, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. You're, the only one. you're the only one without the one. With... I guess so. And your gloves are the wrong color.
That was some of the on-mic stuff with our last guest, Boog Shambi. Meant to talk about that with him. Got sidetracked with a bunch of things. Even with no baseball. Sprawling conversation. Can go a lot of different directions here on Hit and Run. The Scores Baseball Show on 670 to score. But that was Boog along with Bryant and Rizzo on mic. And one of the one of the things mentioned in some of these plans, like if baseball is going to be weird anyway, why not embrace the weird and get in some of the new rules or some new options? And one of them has been discussed to have players on mic whenever possible to talk about the situation, to make it a more engaging an interactive broadcast, because some of these broadcasts, if they exist, will have very few fans. I feel like there needs to be a caveat for every bit of conversation that we have about these plans, and I think we need a shortened acronym. Now, follow follow me here if you can. Sean Anderson, follow me here, okay? Um, I heard a podcast, Conan O'Brien had Tina Fey on a podcast, right? And they were talking about Robert Smigel. And you know who Robert Smigel is? Um, legendary Conan writer, Saturday Night Live writer. He um, created Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. He's the voice of Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. He also wrote and originated um, the Superfans. Da Bears, Smigel wrote and originated that. So he's a brilliantly funny guy. Um, but apparently Smigel was a little bit insane. And so Sometimes Tina or Conan or other people who worked with Smigel would have to go to a colleague and say, look, I know that Robert is an absolutely brilliant guy and he's got his own methods to doing things. And we need to cut him slack because those methods are really unique and they're obviously effective. But what he's doing now is driving me insane and it's a real pain in the ass. And they decided that they needed a word that just kind of cut out that whole first part. Just save time. Can we be more efficient? And Conan came up with it, said he used the word chipple. Just chipple. Hey, um, chipple. But Smigel's a real pain in the ass. So they just like cut out the whole precursor and the caveat. I feel like I want to do that. Every time we talk about one of these baseball plans that comes up, I would like to not have to say, of course, it must be said that whatever the experts say is what we'll do, whatever science allows, and who knows what the curve of the virus might be, and we'll let the epidemiology, you know, like, I, I, I wanted just a one word shorthand for that, so I don't have to say it every time I bring up one of these baseball ideas. That makes sense? Yeah, and anytime you bring up, like, the fact that, oh, the stay-at-home order is going to be up at May 1st, everyone's like, well, actually, it's probably going to bounce back, and you can't just have a yes. conversation. Like, oh, if baseball comes back in May 1st, it's like, oh, well, no, we're probably not going to be back by May 1st. Like, I understand that. Just let me try to <laughs> think that baseball is coming back at some point. Let me try to think about it. And let me try to talk about the ramifications. So that's that's what it is. I guess I'm trying to inoculate myself from the, well, actually, you know, people or the we'll see what science has. to Like, I know, I know I'm not an idiot, but that doesn't mean I can't have the conversation. All right. So let's work on that. We need a baseball term for that. Like a, a one word where we just, um, where it means, of course, this is understood. Asterisk, maybe, you know? I mean, it's like, I know what we're dealing with. I know what we're talking about. If you have any ideas to help me out, a shorthand for this unnecessary caveat, which still seems necessary for people, feel free to text it in at 6711. We're going to take a break and talk to my guy, Chris Kampka, for Camp Connections, coming up next, right here on 670 to Score. Hey, guys. Uh, 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 uh. 
Welcome back in on 670 The Score. You're listening to Hit and Run, The Score's baseball show on a Sunday morning. I've had some fun today, that's for sure. And now the fun ramps up to to never before felt levels with our guy Chris Kampka. At C. Kampka on Twitter. Chris Kampka of NBC Sports Chicago, the Sultan of Stat for NBC Sports Chicago, joins us on a Sunday morning. Chris, how's your baseball list world as you deal with sportslessness these days? How you doing, man? No, I'm great. Um, so all these great guests, and then I look at my paper of notes, and I'm like, I got to follow that up with this. Uh, yes, anyway. you do. You okay. do, but 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 what you and I do, what you and I do, where we where we geek out on our collected baseball past is is what all of us are doing it's like it's like i mean i've said it a couple times now the past couple weeks i think it is the most documented the most recorded sport in the history of humankind don't you think well yeah yeah absolutely i mean because i'm reduced to finding things like you know what i was going through some old baseball cards and i found a run of four consecutive craig grayback cards from the score manufacturer four consecutive cards were on the back of the card, it used the word scrappy to describe him. And, and, and that's not the most amazing thing I realized or dug up about yeah. Graybeck this week is that he only stole four bases in his major league career. So that, what? Yeah, I don't, you I can't be, the little hurt, you can't be scrappy if you've only stole four, stolen four bases in your life. I mean, that's part of the scrappy skill set, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, hey, absolutely. That and being hard nose, I don't know what the uh, the hardness of your nose has to do with anything, but it goes hand in hand with scrappiness. But well, God, I, that's I've not always... why I'm here. Oh no, uh, <laughs> but, but but now it is. Now it is. So you just hold on, Mister Man. I think yeah. um, the scrappy, the scrappy, the scrappy is an insult. Scrappy means you're you're not very strong, right? Like no, you know, scrappy means scrappy means that you're under five ten and an athlete. And you're not a fire plug. You know, you're not thick. You're not, you know, okay. beefy. All right. It means you're, yes. you're, you're short and you're thin and you're an athlete. So you get that label. Yeah. And if, and if, if you're backed into a corner, you could probably punch your way out against bigger people. That's the assumption, I think. I suppose. Yeah. But anyway, but, um, uh, but anyway, here we are. happy Easter. Happy Easter to you and yours, Chris. Kennedy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Um, so the White Sox never had an Easter. They never had Luke Easter, who's an all-time great mm-hmm. slugger. But they did have Ted Easterly um, as a catcher who, prior to coming to the White Sox, caught Cy Young's 500th career win. Um, and then they didn't have an Easter, but they had Dan Pasqua. And Pasqua is Italian for Easter, so there's that. Oh, how about that? That's awesome. And any, furthermore, uh, any... yes. Furthermore, the first time a White Sox player hit a home run on opening day it was by somebody named Bunny Brief. So, see, that's my guy. I was wondering if you were going to get to perhaps Rabbit Marinville or, you know, uh, or any sort of bunny, um, and you did. So God bless you. He's not just any bunny, he's bunny brief. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, so, you know, you get a little Easter nuggets like that because, you know, yes. it's got to be timely. Yes. Um, yes, it does. So, yeah, um, so how about a little this day in baseball? Because clearly we're not going to be um, 
years from now, we're not going to say 2020. This day in 2020, Camp went on the radio and talked about Craig Grayback and being scrappy. Um, yeah. No, that, that, so, it's, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad right now to see all the this day in baseball posts and uh, what you're about to give me. It's initial sadness, so I need the information and the nuggets to be of a high quality to reduce the inherent sadness that comes with looking backwards for baseball. So what you got? So let's do me up. one year back. One year back, Eloy Jimenez, his first two major league home runs. You know, he started out with 12 hits in his career, only one double, 11 singles. And then he broke out on April 12th at Yankee Stadium, his two home runs at Yankee Stadium, and some cool nuggets about that game. Number one, he's the first visiting player to hit both of his first two Major League home runs in the same game at Yankee Stadium since Manny Ramirez did it in 1993. So that's one cool part about it. Hmm. And here's the second in my favorite. Well, the game was called due to rain, and the last play of the game was a James McCann homer. So James McCann hit a walk-off homer on the road, technically, kind of. <laughs> and you're not going to see that again for a while. No, right. no, oh, that's true. I remember, I remember that second home run from Eloy. I believe the second one was a 445-foot shot. And it's one of those when it's like, oh, my God, look at the easy power. And that's the thing that still is so alluring about him. It just doesn't take a big swing for him to hit the ball a very, very long way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he he has 40 home run potential yearly. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. I have one more this day, and it's in 1998. Kerry Wood made his major league debut. Uh, he made it at Montreal. Now, he didn't do all that well, but it's just take take a look at last week. We talked about Mark Burley and how he just didn't have the strikeout numbers. Kerry Wood was the complete opposite. I mean, Kerry Wood finished his major league career second in strikeouts per nine among anyone with a 1,000 innings or more. Second all time is where he finished in the major league list behind only Randy Johnson. Wow. I don't think I realized that K's per nine, he, he when he retired, he was second all time behind Randy Johnson and K's. Yeah, per now nine. he's That's six. Crazy. Now he's six. Just to kind of tell you what kind of a strikeout era we're in. Could you guess who number one? Thank you. On the all time K per nine list is currently minimum one thousand innings. I am so pleased that you gave me this opportunity. Minimum one thousand innings. So does that take Craig Kimbrell out of it? Yeah, he's not there yet. Is, but he's not but there yet. Yeah. You might or might not have the right team. Um really you Darvish? Yes. Wow. You Darvish wow. is number one. Eleven point one two strikeouts per nine. Is the all time leader of anyone with a thousand or more innings. Number wow, two is Chris Sale. Hold on, stop. I, I I wanted to get the rest. Yeah, so Chris Sale, okay. I'm not surprised. Is um is Garrett Cole up there right now? Not yet. No, I think Max I don't think Scherzer. he has. Scherzer, Scherzer is fifth. He is fifth. Okay. Um, is Steven Strasburg up there? Strasburg is fourth. So I think wow. I think we we got them all because Gary Wood, as I said, was sixth, and 
Randy Johnson is third because we already mentioned him. So there's your top six. Wow. Strikeouts per nine, minimum thousand innings. That 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 that's a great that's a great number. Um, yeah, no, Kimbrel. Kimbrel, I wonder what Kimbrel's K's per nine is because I'm sure he hasn't reached the thousand innings as a as a closer. So um, yeah, Kimbrel is at 553 innings, so he's still got a way to go. But he's at 14.6. <laughs> so yeah, that's comical. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. That's that's just ridiculous. It, it, it really is ridiculous. Is. Yeah, that's that that's why people are are holding on to the belief. All right. Um, in 1988, Chris Kampka, I was mm-hmm. an intern for Major League Baseball Productions, and I didn't remember until Mike Costell asked me earlier on the show that I had to pass a quiz. To get the internship, they made me pass a quiz, and I had to name all the managers in 1988 of every team, and I think I got 21 of them or 22 of them, and that was, and that was enough. Um, I know Sean Anderson is looking at a list of all the managers in 1988. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, I don't know if we want to spend all our time doing that, but maybe that's something for us for us to kick around. Um, See, my my entire memory of those are based on what yeah. they would have been on their 1988 tops card. So that's how <laughs> I would have played it, right? Yeah. So you yeah. know, Jim Fergosi for the White Sox. Um, I think it was Frank Lucchese for the Cubs at that point. Um, you had Pete Rose, obviously, for the Reds. Um, you know, Sparky with the Tigers, Lasorda with the Dodgers. I'm not going to mm-hmm. name them all. But I'm, no. I, you know, got, the I, think still- I think Cal Ripken Sr. with the Orioles. You got five. Uh, you did miss on the Cubs, though. It was, uh, it was uh, Don Zimmer. Okay, Don Zimmer, so, right. so, so the, the, the card would have had Lucchese on an 88. But Zimmer would would have been there by then. See, because what happens is they show who they were the previous season. So that's yeah. why that's not a good way to, to remember your managers. You should. That's 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 the problem that with way. with baseball cards in that way. All right, Chris, you're the best, man. Happy Easter. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Chris. Um, hey, Sean, save all these texts, would you? Uh, and let's revisit this in the first hour next week, um, as I think we're getting somewhere with our one-word caveat, our one-word caveat, so we can discuss baseball scenarios while knowing full well that the pandemic is pending. You know, there's there, there's a couple of good ones here that we should save and, uh, and discuss for next week. In the meantime, I want to thank our guest, Mike Costell from This Week in Baseball and from Inside the Actor Studio. That was really fun at the 10 o'clock hour. John Boogshambi at 11, and then you just heard Chris Kamka right there. Sean Anderson, thanks for a job. Extremely well done. Coming up next, it's Bears Sundays right here on The Score. Jeff Joniak will give you his thoughts that he remembers the specific details from his experience before you hear Seahawks at Bears, January 14th, 2007, the divisional playoff game. And then tonight at 5, Cubs and Indians, 2016 World Series, game number two. I'm back next week uh, for both Inside the Clubhouse on Saturday and Hit and Run on Sunday. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 